no idea when Dev starts on this. Oh, me neither. Is it now? It can't be now. There's no way. Wait, it's coming up. Okay, hold on. Okay. Places. Places. The history of film. That better who even when the lights go dim. From James Cagney to, to Nosferatu and stunts that shock you. And dirty, dirty tricks studios made. From wings to Top Gun, movie stars and no ones. Romantic crazy fans that leave no real a ton. Hollywood is still from history in Hollywood. They chase the Oscar, but it's all a sham, just like Shaq and Kazam. All your dreams can come true. Film history, the history of film. All of it made for you. Good God, that was terrible. What's up, everybody? It is film history. The, the history, history of film. And we're coming at you with The Mummy Part 2. Uh, yes. Hopefully you listen to The Mummy Part 1. Sometimes I see that people listen to Part 2 and not Part 1, <laughs> which, look, I'm down. Whatever <laughs> whatever floats Maybe your Maybe the logic is I'll, just, I'll cut to the juicy part. Right, I'll, I'll cut, cut, to, to, the I'll the cut to the real stuff. The real. <laughs> I don't need the setup. I just need the conclusion. I just need the, need the juice, baby. <laughs> Give me the dirt. That's right. That's what I want. But, uh, but uh, I'm Drake Cummings. I'm James Wyatt Scott. Um, somewhere out there is our long lost compatriot Dev. Yes, who uh, was supposed to be here but uh, could be kidnapped. Yep, so if you have any information, kidnapped. please uh, email to uh, where in the world is Devin San Diego? Where in the world is Devin San Diego? Indeed, I, I gmail.com. <laughs> Dev. <laughs> so in the first part, I told you about how this all came to be. This was a 1932 movie from Universal called The Mummy Back in the Day that some 80s cokeheads decided they wanted to make into the modern day version. And I gave you a little bit of the rundown on uh, what happened. The script got passed around Universal for a long time. At one point it was a weird like uh, sex movie by Clive Barker, <laughs> which kind of want to see, not going to lie. <laughs> it finally landed in the hands of the capable... Steven Summers, who decided he was going to take this thing on for $80 million from Universal as kind of a uh, kind of an up-and-coming guy. You know, it's a very cool story. So definitely check that out in part one. And today, I'm going to tell you about the production of this movie. But first, I want to tell you about a man named Brendan Fraser. Cool. <laughs> Brendan Fraser, the youngest of four boys, was born in Indianapolis, Indiana. Cool. Yeah, man, he was an Indiana kid, and like he looks like an Indiana guy. Yeah, 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 yeah I he's, can see it. He's, he's got, got like that a Midwestern vibe yeah, to him. <laughs> he's definitely corn fed. Yeah, you know? <laughs> he's a corn boy. He's a corn boy. He's definitely he came from the corn. He look, he's the he is the size and shape of a corn man. <laughs> His parents were Canadian, actually. Ah, yeah, making him even more of like a, he was Canadian and Indiana guy. If you're a, if you're a Canadian, why would you move to Indiana? I, his I think it had to do with his parents his mother was a sales counselor and his father was a journalist uh he worked as a canadian foreign service officer for the government office of tourism yeah I, actually i don't know i don't know why the hell they're in canada they moved all over the or in indiana they moved all over the place they lived in eureka california for a while eureka we're in the middle of nowhere they lived in seattle they lived in ottawa ontario the netherlands whoa uh, yeah they lived in oh, switzerland wow. for a bit Damn. he was just like kicking it in switzerland as like a, a quaffed haired boy you know <laughs> did you ever watch the show eureka no i don't remember what it's about yeah 
Probably gold. <laughs> I'd imagine it was about them gold and them hills. No, I think it was about it was, it was like a sci-fi show. Oh, it was shit. like there's like a bubble. Oh, there was like a yeah. was like a bubble around the town. That's and right. Something about if they ever left the bubble, then yeah, Eureka. I, don't I wouldn't know. be surprised if Brennan Fraser was on that show. <laughs> like for like that, I bet he was in like an episode or two of that show. I, if you remember what Eureka's about, DM me. <laughs> DM me. Find Deb, please. <laughs> Find Deb. If he's out there. He's in Eureka. <laughs> he's we'll in let Eureka. him leave the bubble. <laughs> Brendan Fraser's there. He's like, I know. I knew the episode you guys were about to do. I had to stop it. <laughs> <laughs> he also, he attended Upper Canada College, a private boarding school in Toronto. So okay. he went to like a, I'd imagine a very like pinkies up type of place, you know. Okay. <laughs> I, that's his whole thing, though, right? Yeah. Like, he does have a very, like, rich kid vibe, you know? Yeah, he seems like the rebel at a rich at a preparatory school. Yeah, definitely, it's definitely. It's like, he's the kid who does, he's too cool to be here. Yeah, man, he wears... he's not as rich as the rest of us. He wears, like, a loose tie. Yeah. You know, a little bit of, like, a ruffled shirt. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. And he's just ripped to fucking shreds for yeah, no reason. absolutely, yeah. yeah. He's he's not supposed to be here. He's, like, he's not rich enough to right, be here. Right, But his grades are so good yeah. that he got him in. And you're just like... Dude, you have great grades, but you never apply yourself. And he's, he was just like, dude, I'm too cool. I'm too cool, bro. And plus, I got in here on like a badminton scholarship. Yeah. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. Or like yeah. a fancy ball. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Where fancy boys play. <laughs> <laughs> I got a script for Universal. Yeah, man. The fancy boys. <laughs> yeah. his He came from like his uncle. He had an uncle named George Genereau. And this man was the only Canadian to win a gold medal in the 1952 Summer Olympics at the Olympic Trap. Whoa. So I, he came, I think he came from one of those families where it was like, you better be something. Yeah, you know? okay. Like, yeah. yeah. A lot of overachievers. <laughs> a lot of overachievers going on in his family. His dad, like, discovered Sweden. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, actually, my dad discovered Canada. Uh, we're not just from there. <laughs> That's why we're in Indiana. We don't want to live there anymore, you know. But uh, they were on vacation in London, and he attended his first professional theater show in the West End, and that's where he decided, I'm going to be an actor. Cool. Okay. Yeah, and he did. He did. He did. He, he had did a dream that, that day, and it came true. <laughs> uh, it's that easy. So. It's that easy, guys. If you want to be a movie star, just say it. It's, you know, just they're, just, they're just waiting on you to ask. That's the thing. <laughs> it's like, well, you didn't ask us before, but now that you're legitimately just honestly asking if you want to be a movie star, you can do it. You know, yeah, absolutely. that's what it takes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he graduated from Seattle's Cornish College of the Arts in 1990. So he was, he was artistically bound, man. He was one of those. He began acting at a small acting college in New York City, and he planned on studying toward a Master of Fine Arts in Acting in Southern Methodist University, but he stopped in Hollywood on the way, and he was like, I'm here. I'm no more school. Right? <laughs> he did the James Dean thing. Mm -hmm. He was like, yeah, now that I'm here, I'm just going to start acting. You yeah, know? Yeah, okay. Again, it's that easy. Yeah. It's that easy. He was like, actually, I'm just going to become a movie star. Why am I still going to school? You know? Well, I will say that the, the two aren't necessarily related. You know, yeah, One doesn't sure. preclude the other. Like, And in some ways, like, if you're worrying about, like, 
getting your math homework in for fucking pre-cal then or fuck, I don't know what kind of math you take in college because yeah. I went to a weird art school but like it was, it was probably more it was for like calculus too if right. you're worried about getting your calculus 2 homework in and you don't have as much time to you know go to auditions and exactly. run your lines and network and stuff so it's like I'm just gonna kick this whole school thing absolutely man be a and, full-time floppy boy and he yeah he, he became a full-time floppy boy and he was one of those he was hanging out with it was this interesting time, which I think is happening again to us, but I don't, mm-hmm. I don't like to talk about it too much, yeah. but he was hanging out with people who would also become famous. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Um, right. Yeah. You just get in with the right crew. Yeah. The right crew. Like, like he everyone was, here is going to be somebody. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He was hanging out with Winona Ryder, you know, like 1991, yeah. you know, like about to be mm-hmm. the biggest movie star ever type mm-hmm. of shit. You know, he was, uh, he actually, he was at her house at a barbecue and he met his wife who was also kind of a big up-and-coming actress at the time, Afton Smith. Uh, they married on September the 27th, 1998, actually, the year before The Mummy. Mm. And they uh, they had three sons together. Wow. And the divorce went so bad. Oh. So no. bad. Oh, no. Just the Mummy have anything to do with the divorce? No. Just okay. uh, a lot of other stuff. Okay. But um, yeah. Was it, was Brian Fraser a party man? Was he was he like uh, known to 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 roam the streets in a in a in a Rat Pack style manner? We couldn't find anything. I think he might have been a squeaky guy, or well, at least just not absurd. You know yeah. what I mean? Like uh, might have just been a normal amount. Nothing nothing to like get him arrested. Doesn't mean he didn't have a fun time. No. So in 1991, he was like really getting started. He made his film debut as a sailor headed to Vietnam in dogfight. War movies, man. <laughs> yeah. That's... Uh, yeah, it's how you start. That's how you start. <laughs> that is the bread and fucking butter, man. You got to get those war movies in. You get those good scenes. You look um, good. You, they're yeah. going to get you in shape. And you'll probably be able to get some dramatic something in there, mm-hmm. some comedic something in there, Yeah, you know, and just be a, a hot movie star in a war movie. Yeah. It always gets it going, guys. <laughs> just ask me. <laughs> <laughs> and he got his first leading film role in the 1992 comedy film Encino Man. Did you ever see that? No, you but were too it sounds young, familiar, man. yeah. You, I, I, you were like being born. I do realize this existed, but I don't know what it would be about. Yeah, he played a frozen prehistoric caveman who was thawed out in the present day. Oh. And the whole movie, he's just like... <laughs> Not who I would cast as a caveman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was, he was fantastic. You know, and again, just ripped caveman, you know. <laughs> And this was before the like studio money was coming yeah. in. Yeah, so he just kind of just like just fell in with the right crowd and just got cast and yeah. stuff. There wasn't like any kind of like he didn't like work a job at a lot or anything like that. I'm sure he did. I couldn't find a lot of that stuff, yeah. man. So much on this guy is so mysterious, you know. Yeah, um, I mean, it just it also just happens like that too, where yeah. you know you just start picking up work and you just got lucky, like you yeah. know, you're just you're the right look for the right casting director, <laughs> and it just like kind of takes off without too much of a hitch. Yep. And you get in the right crowd, and boom, bam, boom. That's how it goes. But um, I'm sure he was. I'm sure like there are stories of him bartending out here or something. Yeah. Know? And that's one of the things about when I do these, like... Like the mummy, you know, I figured like Brendan Fraser, I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if we'll do a film history episode on him. So I figured ah, I'd put him the in the mummy. This is him, the yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So Encino Man comes out. It wasn't a huge movie, but it was like it's considered like a cult film. It was basically a stoner movie, to be honest. Yeah. Like all the stoners love this movie. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, Whoa, dude, like <laughs> what if you could unfreeze him, dude? You know, like, holy shit, he'd be so tripped out by what he saw, you know. In the nineties. 
90s. In the 90s, dude. I mean, yes, but also it was funny. The Cutting like... Edge 1992 is going to freak him out. <laughs> That's like the whole premise of the movie, you know. Yeah. In that same year, he starred with Matt Damon and Chris O'Connell in School Ties. Uh, or, yeah, it was like a, it was a school movie. It was Matt Damon, you know. Okay. In 1994, he played Steve Nebraska in The Scout. <laughs> Steve Nebraska? <laughs> Steve Nebraska. That in... made up. <laughs> he played Steve Nebraska in The Scout, and he played Montgomery Monty Kessler in With Honors, as well as co-star with Adam Sandler and Steve Buscemi in Airheads. Oh. Another... Yeah, stoner nineties. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, and that's kind of he was. That's kind of he was carving that out. Yeah, you know? at the time he was just like the the yeah. goofball. Yeah, you know? he was the fun yeah. guy. Love it, man. Yeah, you yeah, love to see it. Kind of a Matthew McConaughey trajectory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Where it was like you're gonna be this goofy. Sean Penn, too. Shit. I can think of a lot of people that started off as, like, goofy stoner guys. He went on to star in such films as Philip Ridley's The Passion of Darkly Noon. I don't remember any of these. Twilight's of the, Twilight of the Golds in 1997. He had a small, uh, these were starring roles, yeah, though? Yeah, these were... No, yeah. He did, these were starring roles. Wow, well, yeah. you know, you're starring roles. Yeah, so wow. he started getting these starring roles around 1995-ish. He had a small part in the movie Now and Then in 1995. Um, but anyway, he had his first major box office success with the 1997 comedy film George of the Jungle, which was based on the animated series of the same title created by Jay Ward. And I talked a little bit about it, you know, but yeah, this was uh, this his big, his big breakout, his role, big breakout of. role. Leslie Mann, uh, it was a big studio thing and it was uh, him in a loincloth, you know, basically doing Encino Man, but a different cool <laughs> yeah yeah so it was it, it definitely it was this huge hit got people's attention and got universal's attention for the mummy um oh he did play one more though that i do want to shout out to 1998's gods and monsters this was a uh, he and he and ian mckellen in 1998 oh, cool. yeah and ian mckellen played james whale the guy who wrote frankenstein and the true story of him is he was this gay guy who was like closeted his whole life. But when he got really old, he fell in love with this like young dude who's played by Brendan Fraser. Oh, and they get into this like Brendan Fraser straight, but he's like kind of in love with Ian McKellen as well. It's just like, yeah, it was a very interesting movie. It was very interesting. Very progressive for the time. Yeah, for sure. Especially, you know, he did that and then went on to do these like huge, you know, they were willing to put his face on, Big yeah. stuff after yeah. he did. I, yeah, when you watch the movie, it's also it's very dark. Oh, so that's okay. another part of it. It was he was definitely it, that that movie is like Brendan Fraser, like you've never seen him. Yeah, it opinion. sounds like dramatic. It's very yeah. dramatic. So it's like he's not the type of thing you normally see him in. Yeah. So it also kind of proves his range. Exactly. Yeah. He plays like a really fucked up, like young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. As you all know. We're in the Renaissance, thank God. Mm-hmm. But this man went through some heavy ass times, man. There were some dark times for old Brendan Fraser. Yeah, he disappeared. He completely. disappeared. Fell off the map. The physical demands of his stunts and maneuvers apparently left him like he had to get all sorts of surgeries, knee replacement, a laminectomy. What's uh, that? I don't even know. Should we look? <laughs> sure. Type of surgery where surgeon removes part or all of the verte- uh, vertebrae bone. Jesus. Vertebral yeah. bone that helps ease pressure of the spinal cord. Oh, yeah. He has like a fucked up back. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. He also, like, he heard it again after Hurricane uh, Sandy, apparently. He had vocal cord surgery, all sorts of shit. Whoa. All from the mummy? No, no. Just oh. his career. Yeah, oh, I guess okay. his career of, and the mummy didn't help. The yeah. mummy definitely <laughs> did not help. He did almost die during the mummy as well. And I can't wait to tell you about that story. Uh, so, uh, but in 2018. One thing that did happen, he told everyone where where the fuck I have been, is he said he was blacklisted by the president uh, of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, Philip Burke. Uh, he was molested by this guy in 2003. Whoa. 2003. So, like, right after The Mummy, you know, three years after The Mummy, when he's being Brendan Fraser, when he should be becoming yeah. what we would Wanted think he would be, be yeah. now... He gets felt up. It was like a sexual assault. This dude fucking sexually assaulted him. And now we all know that that was happening to people like as, you know, like Brendan Fraser, Terry Crews. You know, these things were happening to a bunch of actors as well. And so he got so and then the guy like what blackballed him to keep him quiet. Yeah, basically, I think he was going to like tell people about it. And he said he got blacklisted. Wow. Yeah. And the story just never came out until recently? The story never came out until recently. The Me Too movement. The Me Too movement was one of the things that, like, he got fucking Me Too in 2003. Like, freed Rudden Frazier. Yeah. Whoa. Just like Mira Sorvino and Ashley Judd kind of faced the same thing. They were blacklisted by Harvey Weinstein because he tried to rape them. Wow. And that was happening to men as well, and it happened to fucking Brendan Frazier. Oh, man. Yeah, the president of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Damn. That's... I mean, and also, why was how could that? Why was I, that guy even blacklisting people? I, I like, was about to say, I wouldn't think he'd have that much power. You're not going to get your fucking Golden Globe, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's like I don't know. I, yeah, I, I can't see how he'd have that much power over like in cast and stuff. Yeah. But you never know. Like you know, he's best friends of someone else and best friends of someone else, and it's like at, at that point, you know, it's like that his position might not actually matter as much as who he knows. Yeah, um, and yeah. it's like the studio. Studios don't want to make him angry, or else they might not get Golden Globes at all for their entire studio, right. and then that means less revenue and stuff. So it's all it's all fucked. But so I, fucked up. Dude. I wouldn't think he'd have that much power, but I can see it. Thank God for the Me Too movement. Yeah, right. Thank God, man. Oh my God, it really truly did like cleanse this town. Not all the way by any yeah. means. It it still happens in little mm-hmm. pockets of this town. Yeah. But I would say, for the most part, I knew agencies that were cleaned out. You yeah. Know? Like, people were being dropped left and fucking right, mm-hmm. man. It was definitely... And also, it's like... And I, I think people who don't live in this town don't understand how big of a problem it really is. Yeah, it was like very, it's very like bad. your career, for a lot of people, your entire career is predicated on you doing sexual favors for other people. Yep. Like... Uh, and it's it's impossible to escape. It's impossible to get away from. And it really is. It's so fucked. Yeah. And the bigger that they are, the more fucked you are. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you know, if if somebody mm-hmm. huge in the industry makes some mm-hmm. weird pass at you, you could be ruined. Yeah, because it's not even like oh, if I sleep with this person, I'll get this job. It's like if I don't, I'll never work again. Exactly. Yeah. So or if you yeah. sleep with them, you won't work ever again. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. 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 It's it's. Way fucked, and I'm so glad that we're we yeah. seem to finally be uh... in, in a place where we're making progress. <laughs> yeah, at least. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But also, he got a divorce not long after as well. He and his wife got a divorce, um, and he basically said he just went into this depression. You know, he just like fucked off from the world. Um, it, it, he got financially just fucked over. Yeah, uh, they sold their home in Beverly Hills in 2007 for three million. 
And Fraser's publicist announced in December 2007 that the couple decided to divorce. Fraser was ordered to pay a monthly alimony sum of $50,000 a month. Jesus Christ. For 10 years. Whoa. Or until Afton got remarried. That was the, that was the deal. Right. Uh, whichever occurred first. And this was in addition to the $25,000 monthly payment for child support. That didn't end until January of 2019. Wow! So he was—he got fucked, man. Uh, Damn. He, he's he, not making any money anymore. No, exactly. Yeah, and I mean, the two million dollars from the mummy is gone. Right? Yeah, gone, gone. You I know, mean, even if he's getting residuals from that, it's for like, sure. It's, the mummy was—it's not—it's a really popular movie, but it's not like replayed constantly. Right. At least hasn't been for a while. Yeah, it says uh, in 2013 he petitioned the courts for a reduction of his alimony and child support payments. Because he was unable to meet the annual obligation of nine hundred thousand dollars, right? Um, which is a shit ton of money. But she, she said he was like hiding stuff. He was like hiding like mm. valuable shit that he in- invested in. Who knows? Mm. It got really, like I said, it got messy. Divorce is so ugly, like especially yeah. on that scale. Even if you go into it with like the decision that we're going to make this amicable, it, like. It's just, it's so suspicion-based. And obviously, yeah. like, if you're getting divorced, there's probably already a lack of trust to begin with. Right. And so when you compound that upon, like, you know, so much money is on the table and you don't want to be the one that gets fucked over uh, and stuff, it's just, like, it's so easy for that stuff to spiral out of control. So, yeah. like, I I imagine, you know, it was probably a mix of things. Probably some stuff he wanted to hide because he was like, well, I want to make sure I have, like, Absolutely. a backup plan. Yeah. Like, you know, because I don't know when I'm going to work again. I need to sell a fucking painting yeah. for rent money. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, and then on her end, she's like, well, he's, she might not even know about the assault and the blacklist and stuff. So it's like, she might be like, he was just in the mummy two, three years ago. Yeah, like, that's true. You're going to work again, you you selfish fuck. That's you know? very true, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I hope she didn't know about it, because that just makes it even worse. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What was their divorce about, you know? I don't know, actually. You know, sometimes relationships just don't work out. Yep. And hey, man, we're, we're in the Renaissance. We're in the Renaissance. He's getting back on up. <laughs> He's making money right now. Yeah. Making some TV money. Yeah. You know, for sure. It's not, yeah. it's not law and order. No, it's better than that. A little bit better. (laughs) He's losing weight again. Yeah, yeah. We're going to rocket you back in time now to 1999, back when he was uh, fucking Brendan Fraser. The it boy. The it boy. The floppiest hair of the floppy haired. Floppiest of hair. Nah, Leo was the floppiest, but you know, Brendan was definitely in that floppy. (laughs) I guess that's my, uh, you know, we had the brat pack, we had the rat pack, and I say we have the floppy haired kids from the 90s. You know, they were the floppy boys, man. (laughs) And the mummy was just fucking sucking all those floppy boys dry in the movie, man. That's what he did. He would suck those boys. <laughs> he sucked those boys dry. As a matter of fact, there's even a line where one of the guys goes, "He sucked him dry." And I was like, "Yeah, he did." Fucking high five and everybody. Some some of the lines from Clive Barker's porn script came over. Yeah, that line survived the Clive Barker right. Yeah, he actually was sucking them dry, and Clive Barker's one. He's just sucking their dicks. Oh my god, that was a different uh, mummy. Universal did not stand behind that one. Let's get into the filming of this thing, okay. man. We got we got Brendan Fraser, we got Rachel McAdams, we got the guy who can never remember his name, Aslu. Uh, they got a cast, man. Hot, hot cast. Let's shoot this movie. Nothing will go wrong. Rachel... Uh, Rachel Weiss. Sorry. Weiss, yeah. Sorry, I said Rachel McAdams. Uh, nothing will go wrong. 
nobody, you know, will almost die. Uh, <laughs> but but then they did. Uh, did, they sh- did they shoot on location? Yeah, they shot. No, so they didn't shoot in Egypt. They couldn't shoot in Egypt because of... It, all they said is unstable political conditions. Sure. Yeah, so they couldn't shoot in Egypt, um, So, but they filmed in Marrakesh, Morocco. Okay. Yeah. And they cheated that as Egypt. Uh, filming began on May 4th, 1998. They're shooting for 17 weeks starting in May. So they are in for a summer in Morocco, in the desert, shooting the mummy, <laughs> is what they're looking at here. They, um, oh, during the summer. Oh, yeah. Like they were filming in June and July in Morocco. Could this as not have well. been avoided? You know, could Waterworld have been filmed <laughs> on a water tank and not <laughs> and in not the, hurricane in a hurricane season yeah. in, in an actual ocean? Maybe, but <laughs> fuck that shit, man. We got $80 million. <laughs> we could force some air conditioners. Yeah, dude. I want to go to Morocco, man. <laughs> Uh, and they, they wanted Marrakesh. It had the extra advantage of being, like, they said it was, like, a much less modern city than Cairo at the time. Mm-hmm. And so it made it a little bit easier to dress like the 1920s. Right. Uh, the production set up two weeks before filming, taking down telephone wires and cables and shipping in period cars and camels. They were building Egypt, you know, right cool. here in Marrakesh. So wait, what? Did did people just not have power in part of the city? Probably. <laughs> they were like, sorry, we're filming something, you know. <laughs> sorry, we got Hollywood going. Sorry, losers. We're you know? moving your ability to call. <laughs> if you want to come be an extra, we'll give you some electricity. You know, how about that? You got to come work for free, though. We'll pay you in volts. <laughs> Actually, locals really did. Uh, they were extras for oh, this yeah. thing. Yeah, that for sure. Well, it weren't paid at all, probably. You know, big crowd scenes. So they shot there for uh, a few weeks, and then they moved to the Sahara Desert outside the small town of Irfud. Irfud. Production designer Alan Cameron found a dormant volcano, Gara Medeor, where the exteriors for Hamunaptra could be constructed. So they're in the middle of a dormant volcano in the Sahara in the summertime, <laughs> filming The Mummy. <laughs> hope it stays dormant. Oh, my God, man. What are the chances? Yeah, what, what It's been ch- dormant for 500 years. What are the chances if, that this week it erupts? If the ground starts shaking, I'm calling sad. Yeah, that's all I got to say. Uh, yeah, a sur- don't worry. A survey of the volcano was conducted. You know, so they, they knew. Yeah, they asked it. They yeah. just asked some questions. <laughs> <laughs> they asked it, are you going to go off anytime soon? He's like, no. <laughs> They're like, hey, bonus, if it does, we get a sick, cool volcano set piece for our movie. <laughs> now I've set the stage for you where all the nightmares began. The first nightmare was dehydration. Everybody was just like getting sucked dry like the boys <laughs> in The Mummy, you know. Of course. Of course, man. Of course. They were shooting in the fucking Sahara Desert in the summertime. The production's medical team created... A, a, it just said that they created a drink that the cast and crew had to consume every two hours. And they also had to get B12 shots every day. Brendan Fraser said, like, like it or not, they're shooting you in the ass with B12. <laughs> and they like... Um, and again, this is one of the things, if Dev were here, he could probably tell us what's in that drink, but they had some sort of super hydrator drink yeah, that you were supposed to drink. Like, all, think of the electrolytes. I don't know, <laughs> uh, that, I don't know if that's what that does. <laughs> and dude, Arnold Vosloo got it the fucking worst. It was just Gatorade. <laughs> it was just Gatorade. That's all it was. There's sugar and water. They're like, drink this every two hours. But, uh, he was getting fucking roasted, dude. So he had to be completely hairless 
to be Imhotep. Oh, God. And they're shaving his entire body from head, top of his head, all the way down to his feet. Every single day he gets to set. Oh, God. And he's getting roasted by the sun, and he has to shave it all off over his sunburn the next day. (laughs) No! 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 So bad, dude. Like God, the screams from that tent. Oh my god! It's one way to get in character of an angry, tortured mummy. I would have Matthew McConaughey, the agent from Tropic Thunder, on the phone. <laughs> yeah. Like, I need more money for this movie. Yeah, like, you know? and I do not leave the trailer without a <laughs> yeah. covering, without yeah. like a full body covering. I will take it off during the shots. Absolutely, and then it goes right back on in between takes. You will construct a tent over me <laughs> until it is time to shoot. And then you remove it for ten minutes. Yeah, man, just getting fucking roasted, dude. Oh, I know, man. I've had to just shave every day, shave my face uh-huh. for a roll, and that hurt. Yeah, but this guy's fucking oh, shaving sunburn, man. Oh. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and he had like, of course, he had like tan lines, you know, where like he had like a loincloth on and right. shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, they had to stop production for a bit every single day because these huge fucking sandstorms kept coming through <laughs> and just fucking everything up. They kind of had their own version of Waterworld hurricanes, hurricanes going yeah, on, but not, not in Sandicane, dude. It's Sharknadoes. They had Sharknadoes coming through every day. And yeah, it would just wipe out a bunch of their shit. They would have to like rebuild parts of the set every day because sandstorms are just wiping them out, man. A few weeks in, they gave up on the guns being like actually firing blanks because the guns were getting so clogged with sand every day. They said they were having to spend like three or four hours in the morning just unclogging all the sand out of these things. Oh man. So, so they're just like, fuck, we'll do it all in post. Fuck, we'll do it in post. And ILM was the guys who like did most of the guns oh, in post. Cool. Yeah, if your gun was broken, and I was like, well, then you're just going to be in post now. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Another very fun everyday Which, hey, occurrence. Who knows? Maybe it saved somebody's yeah, life. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, man. I mean, I wish. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. You know. I wish the gun in the Rust, yeah. the Rust movie, yeah. had been clogged with sand. All all, gu- all gunshots just need to be CGI. Yeah, now. absolutely. Yeah. We here at Film History, the history of film, with our mascot being James Cagney, <laughs> the man who nearly got killed by live ammunition on set, we here are against uh, yeah. against the guns going bang bang. Yeah. You know, as much as I love it, as much as it looks cool, yeah. you know, you just got to do it in post, man. Yeah, I'm sorry. CGI is so good now. <laughs> anyway, another fun everyday occurrence was uh, they had a medical helicopter. Uh, nearby for when someone got stung by something terrible mm-hmm. or bitten by like a mm-hmm. literal like fucking the mummy scarab would come and eat these people you mm-hmm. know um, it was everyday occurrence they had spiders snakes scorpions just big Sahara Desert fucking kill you shit Fallout New Vegas style you know <laughs> wait 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 why did they have real animals well because they were just out there in the desert oh. these things were just out there and they would come up and uh, people were just getting fucking oh, bitten man. all the time and they had a helicopter nearby to fly your ass to the hospital because oh, you just got bitten from something by, terrible by the wrong thing yeah, yeah. oh my god yeah. that is scary so just deadly shit oh, all over the oh. place and they were using live bugs and rats in the movie too. So like mm. there's a scene where like a guy is covered in real locust. Rachel oh my God. Yeah, Rachel Weiss had to have like real rats crawl all over and shit. So were the this, snakes real? 
Uh, nah, okay. probably not. Okay. Well, I don't know. They had a lot of live animals for this thing. Oh, like I said, it man. wasn't... The CG was for, like, big yeah. uh, things, and yeah. everything else was, like, yeah. people are just shooting live ammo, man. Yeah. Were, 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 were any of the sandstorms real, since they were getting sandstorms throughout <laughs> I the whole... Think, I hope so. I hope they caught at least one real one, oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, Jonathan Hyde, he was the guy who had to be covered in locust, and they, have, they kept having to redo it because it was, like, he was covered in locusts, you know, and he wasn't having a good time with it. He wasn't having a good he time. He wasn't with having it. a good time with it, man. They would get in his mouth and stuff. Oh. And uh, everybody got sick, dysentery, food poisoning, oh, fucking man. probably that water drink that they're drinking yeah, is yeah, the Gatorade yeah. that's just gone bad just, by now. It's just river water. <laughs> yeah, people are just like shitting blood for months, <laughs> getting bitten by fucking God knows what, you yeah. know, and it's a sandstorm well, every day. It's so hot, like the food's going to go bad really quickly. Absolutely, and it's all covered in sand too, by oh, the way. Oh my god! Yeah, and you are too. Like you're sunburned and you're covered in from... <laughs> Your clothes are filled with sand. You're covered in sand. Everybody's. It was. It was horrible. It was I horrible. never thought about how uncomfortable shooting this movie must have been because it's in the middle of the desert. Yeah, man, shooting never shit in the shoot, hot desert. Never shoot a movie in the desert or the ocean. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> For real. Unless you, if, yeah, if you like your skin still on your body, <laughs> don't shoot in the desert or the fucking ocean. <laughs> Uh, but of course, that's not the only thing that was trying to kill them. You know, the the desert in general. The production had to get the official support of the Royal Moroccan Army and the cast members. They had to get kidnapping insurance taken out on all of them because there were some some threats of kidnapping. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, and they, the cast members, were not told about this. By the oh way, oh my god, they, they didn't tell them that there's a price on all of y'all's head. <laughs> but don't worry, we got the army now. They're gonna protect you. And you know, you know if if you. Do do get kidnapped our financial interests are exactly secure. no we have insurance on you so we can pay somebody else tom cruise will be here in a minute leonardo dicaprio really wanted to do this thing we could probably get him for the insurance money you know <laughs> we'll re- we'll we'll just paint brendan out the movie will go on the movie will go on <laughs> Rest assured. uh yeah and they didn't even tell them i imagine one day they were just like why is the army here it's like are they just like checking in on us or set <laughs> <Just that> decoration <laughs> they've been here for weeks what's going on here they keep shooting people (laughs) (laughs) and our boy old brendan fraser nearly met a uh, very early demise (laughs) on this movie um there's a scene in the movie where rick o'connor our handsome hot star of the movie he's about to be hanged in prison there's a whole storyline where he and his military unit went like awol basically to go find the city of the dead to go Mm -hmm. find its treasure and he is being tried by the local government in Egypt, and they're going to hang his ass. Not sh- super clear on why, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but he has been sentenced to execution, and they're going to hang him. So they're filming this scene, and basically he said that they had a stunt guy who did the uh, the dropping, you know, being hung, which, by the way, oh, fuck that shit, dude. <laughs> like... It, Watch the movie, it's crazy, but he had a harness on, of course. Yeah. You know, you just, the thing's around your neck, Mm -hmm. and the harness just catches you before the fucking rope does. Right, yeah. No way. No way. (laughs) Never ever. You wouldn't do it? No. (laughs) I just. Those harnesses are built real good. Anything goes wrong, (laughs) and your ass is in the middle of a Western movie that you never wanted to be a part of, you know? (laughs) Fucking Uh. over with. But, uh, so they replaced the stunt guy with. Brendan Fraser, and they kind of just had him the same way where he was just... But uh, this is what he said. He said, I did get fully choked out. (laughs) It was scary. (laughs) 
<laughs> he said, Rick is dangling at the end of the rope, and he's such a tough guy that his neck didn't snap. That was like part of the movie. You know, oh. they're like, his neck didn't snap. He's a, he's a real hot guy. <laughs> he said, we did, the, we did the wide shot, which was the stuntman going down, and he had a harness on, and it looked great. They've got to go in for a close-up. There was a hangman's gallow, and there was a hemp rope tied into a noose that was placed around my neck. The first take, I'm doing my best choking act. Steve says, can we go for another one and take up the tension on the rope? I said, all right, one more take. Because a noose around your neck is going to choke your choke you in the arteries no matter what. So the stuntman took up the tension on the rope, and I went up on the balls of my feet. Then I guess he took up the tension again, and I'm not a ballerina. I can't stand on my tiptoes. So he's just hanging now. So Brendan <laughs> so Fraser... he doesn't have a harness. He No. I think he is. He's supposed to be standing on something, but now they have taken the rope up to a point where he's just like actually being hanging. hung. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> that's hanged. so uncomfortable. Yeah, man. Like that's that's supposed to be scary because it's like it's like oh, his acting of screaming for help is really good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He say, like, oh, he looks like he's dying. He's going blue. <laughs> How's he doing that? How's he doing that? <laughs> He said, I remember seeing the camera start to pan around, and then it was like a black iris at the end of a silent film. It was like turning down the volume switch on your home stereo, like the Death Star powering down. I regained consciousness, and one of the EMTs was saying my name. There was gravel in my ear, and shit really hurt. (laughs) The stunt coordinator came over, and he said... Hi, welcome to the club, bro. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, what the hell? And uh, I want to go home. That's what he said. (laughs) Welcome to the club, I guess. The stunt guy was like, welcome to like being hurt. Almost dying. Yeah, welcome to almost dying. What a rite of passage. Yeah, man. These 90s stunt guys, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) How did any of them live? (laughs) But basically, he said, I want to go home. Like, I'm fucking done for the day. And uh, he said, he and I disagree, Steven, the director, he and I disagree, but I think he was trying to go, oh, that wacky Brendan acting up a storm again. (laughs) (laughs) And he tells it differently. Summers, the director. He says, Brendan is totally to blame, says the director. He tightened the noose, and then we're about to get the shot. He's trying to make it look like it's really strangling him. I guess guess it cut off his car, his carotid artery or whatever and knocked him out. He did it to himself. (laughs) (laughs) Or whatever. (laughs) Or whatever. So Brendan comes back with this. I guess they told him he said that. He said, Stephen needed to sell that Rick was actually choking. So technically, yes, it was my fault. (laughs) I was following the direction from my director to sell it, says the actor. You know what? To be fair to that remark, I did make one fatal error. I figured before the camera lands on me, I would take three really deep breaths so my face turns purple and my veins pop out of my neck. (laughs) It's like, bro, you're in the mummy. Like, you don't have to do all this, you know? You're not Daniel Day-Lewis. No. Just no Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah, man. It's fine. Like, it's gonna, it'll look, it's the mummy. It'll look like... (laughs) I need it to look really accurate, like I'm dying on a noose for the mummy. It's like, calm down, bro. Just collect your two million, you know, (laughs) and make it out of this fucker alive, you know. And not to mention, again, just the heat element here and the sand blowing around you, you know. 
He said, I'll really fucking sell it, you know. That had to have been a lesson in how to asphyxiate yourself. <laughs> I mean, that had to <laughs> that had to have been it. So you know what? In me pointing fingers at Steven and vice versa, you got me on that point. I was doing my job to look like a man dangling by his neck about to die. I gotta say, what you see in the movie is the take that they did. So <laughs> they had to cut away because moments later, I was out of it. So in the movie, you can see him... Oh. Dying on a rope. Cool. <laughs> if you want to watch a man die, yeah. the mummy's got you. Uh, they're still friends, by the way. He and oh, the okay, cool. Yeah, All right. yeah. They yeah. worked together on some other stuff. Okay. They did like, uh, he was in 2009's G.I. Joe, The Rise of the Cobra. Okay. Steven Summers was the director of that. And of course, The Mummy Returns. They all came back. Right. But uh, yeah. Oh, owned... cool. Same director for The Mummy Returns? Yeah. So, Brendan Fraser lives through trying to act his way into fucking death on a rope, uh, trying to be Daniel Day-Lewis, you know. And they all live through it. They all make this movie. They actually get this thing finished. Which... Well, wait. So is there any details on like the stunts that fucked his knees up? No, like... I think he said those were also other movies. Okay. Yeah, he said a lot of movies. I guess he got fucked up. Yeah, it was. I mean, do you think that was uh, lack of safety regulations, or that's just like there's only so many times you can jump without being like a professional gymnast and not fuck up your knees. Yes, but also the stuntman said welcome to the club. Right, yeah. So I think that's where we're at. You yeah. know, like you 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 put your life on it's the like, line. It's like, shouldn't there be a crash pad? This is like a 15-foot drop. No, nah, dude, just tuck and roll. No, nah, dude, welcome to the club. <laughs> just tuck and roll, bro. Welcome to the no crash pad club. <laughs> we just tuck and roll. That's what all their shirts say when they show up to set. You know those stunt crews that show up and they got their stunt company yeah. on the shirt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're like, Tuck and roll, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and then the post of this thing was a big deal as well. This was like, it was one of those, like, almost like a Jurassic Park, you know, like, sized post-production on this movie. Uh, they spent $15 million of the $80 million budget on special effects provided by ILM, which was a big deal at the time. That was yeah. a big chunk of change to do on your CGI and shit, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, according to Steven Sommers, he said the average special effect cost for this movie was around $125,000 per shot. Wow. And if you put that through the old inflation calculator, it's about three hundred grand per okay. shot. Okay, that's you know. still, that's a lot. Yeah. yeah. Especially, you know, back then, like, yeah. you know. People aren't, uh, CGI is not like a standard yet, I feel like. Right, yeah. for sure. They made this movie against all odds. Time to release this bad boy. The 90s are almost over. We got to get this thing <laughs> we gotta out. We got to get this out. We got to get this Before thing Y2K. out. Before Y2K. Yeah, man. <laughs> there won't be any more movies after Y2K. We got to get this. This will be one of the last ones, man. The old breed, you know. <laughs> Um, the original release date was set for May 21st, 1999, but they realized it was going to be up against Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Mm. So they moved it up a bit to May 7th. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to come out first, damn it. Ah. We're going to come out with a mummy, yeah. and then you can come out with your yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. You know. <laughs> we'll set the stage. <laughs> no, that's good, though, because like a movie like Star Wars is going to have like incredible legs, so you want to you wanna be out before that's an option. There you go, exactly. And incredible bodies for the mummy, (laughs) you know. Um, (laughs) So they had had the premiere of this thing, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody's just showing up to the red carpet, just fucking, like, sunburnt. Like, you know, I imagine the guy who played Emotep is like, he looks like a burn victim at this point. You know, just shaving off all the sunburnt skin every day. Who knows? Maybe he looked like a fucking baby. Maybe like, you know, he looked like a, he looked 12 years old again. You know, I mean, I I, like, 
I'd never shave again. I'll never even get a buzz cut again. Never. <laughs> I'm going to be the hairiest man alive. <laughs> I imagine his hair was different. Like, it had to grow back <laughs> yeah, differently. It's after like all that. Fine. Yeah, like... yeah. Brendan Fraser's at the premiere with, like, bruises around his neck from being hung. <laughs> his you know. metal knees. Yeah. <laughs> and his metal fucking, he's, like, clanging around <laughs> the red carpet and can hardly fucking walk anymore, you know. And uh, everybody gets a little bit worried about the trajectory of this thing because they play the movie and halfway through it just like shuts off. Like the it, something with the projector fucked up at the theater that they were having the premiere in, and the movie shuts off. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're like, "That's a kind of a bad omen, you know." But um, leading so. Leading up to the release, it was actually getting pretty shit on. Like, uh, test audiences were hating it for what? some reason. I don't know. It, those test audiences are always bullshit. Yeah. Always. I, I, why even do them anymore? They, if you only knew the types of people who really went to these things. Yeah. You know, it's fun to go to, but also you're surrounded by people who are like there for... It's the same people that you do background with. It's the right. same people that you do audience work with. Yeah. It's people looking for like a quick buck yeah. on a Tuesday so they can like buy dinner that night yeah. somewhere. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 Not, ne not necessarily like professional film no, critics here. No, not at all. And they're usually nuts. Yeah. Let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. We're some of those people, but yeah, those people are really crazy. We've definitely done that kind of work. Absolutely. But there also it does attract a certain type of person. Yeah. No background check. You know, yeah, that was always I the get funniest. paid in cash at the end of the day. Exactly, I get paid in cash, and they didn't. They don't know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I used to make that joke about doing background. There's literally no background check to do background. <laughs> I was on set with maniacs. Like I'm pretty sure murderers, and you know, yeah. it was like fucking murderers row. If you yeah. if you need a job, just go do background. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, or they'll go, take anyone. Yeah. Or go watch a uh, test screening of a movie that's not even done yet. You <laughs> know. And I'm sure we can trust your judgment on that. <laughs> anyway, leading up to the release, they're getting shit on. Uh, nobody had done a movie about mummies since the slocky old ones. Mm -hmm. uh, this is way out of fashion. Everybody thought this was just going to be some like, you know, dumb old mummy movie. It's cheesy. <laughs> uh, also, everybody was thinking it was some Indiana Jones ripoff. They were like, "What you put?" You know, fucking uh, Georgia the Jungle and uh, in yeah. Indiana Jones. You yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. what are you doing? So like at this point, it's been a while since we've gotten an Indiana Jones movie. I feel like even if it is just an Indiana Jones knockoff, like which it's not, but even if it is, it's like I haven't had one of those in a while. For sure, for sure. So that seems like a plus to me. Yeah, that is the Mummy was missing before it was made. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Like we needed that fucking movie to come out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then they got this genius idea. They took $1.6 million of the uh, marketing money and they bought a Super Bowl ad, which when you put that through the old inflation calculator, it's about $2.7 million for an ad on the Super Bowl. That's crazy how much those fucking <laughs> It's insane. That was 1999. Yeah. And uh, old John Elway is leading his 1999 Denver Broncos to victory over the Atlanta Falcons. And on comes the trailer for the mummy at the Super Bowl. And people got fucking pumped. They cool. reached the right people with this one. Fuck yeah! Yeah, nice. it yeah. was a great idea. Yeah, it was. A, if you're watching the Super Bowl, that's, you like action movies, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Do you, it, hot people, mummies, mm. action. Mm. Now back to John Elway. It's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, I'm in. Let's do this. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and it like they said, it changed the perception of this movie. You know, drummed up a ton of excitement for it. A lot of people say, I think Stephen Summer himself said, like that saved us. Cool. Like that. 
that Super Bowl. And I also, had. it's like Super Bowl has always been in February, right? Yeah. So this movie didn't come out till May, right? So I mean, a lot of the CGI probably wasn't done when they were showing those test audiences. For sure. No, that's what I'm and thinking. People probably also didn't even cause CGI is so new. They're probably just like they didn't understand why it didn't look finished, and they're like, "No, absolutely. no, but the CGI is not in there yet." And they're like, "What the fuck is a CGI?" Yeah, no, and you absolutely get that. Like I said, like I, you know, I've done those out here as well. And yeah, mm-hmm. you go see a movie and it's not finished. There's still mm-hmm. like green stuff, you yeah. know, and people will come out of that. And be like, whoa, it looked bad. What was the point of even <laughs> testing this audience? Like, don't get it. it Stop like, well, doing test screenings. Well, stuff. I remember. Uh, mm-hmm. You remember Wolverine with yeah. you? Like the yeah, when they could, they had to release it unfinished because it had already gotten leaked and they couldn't stop it. So they decided to like get ahead of it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it, it looked. You know, it was basically if you watch that, you can see what a test audience sees. <laughs> you know, like when um, Wolverine Origins was released early, if yeah, the CGI finished. Yeah, if I remember Whoa, that correctly, uh, if I remember the story correctly, it was leaked, and yeah, apparently it wasn't like a big. They didn't let a lot of people know mm-hmm. that that's what they were doing, but they were doing that. They weren't finished with it. Yet, oh, you know? interesting. Yeah, his his claws still looked pretty yeah, like unfinished. Right. And stuff. Okay. Yeah. Damn. But yeah, yeah, people will go and watch that shit and be like, "What well, is not done? <laughs> One star, bro. One star." <laughs> uh, but didn't matter. Fucker, the mummy comes out. It opens in 3,200 theaters. It grosses $43 million in the U.S. and Canada on its opening weekend. Nice. Uh, which is, you know, about $80 million these days. So, yeah. It made its, its budget back. Yeah, 43 Without marketing, it made its budget back like, right. in the first weekend, which yeah. is always a good sign. Yeah. Its weekend take was the highest non-holiday May opening and ninth biggest opening of all time. Wow. Uh, the film later fell to second place behind The Phantom Menace mm-hmm. in the, you know... And it grossed over $155.4 million in the U.S. and Canada and $261 million internationally, grossing over $416 million worldwide. And that was just while it ran in theaters in 1999. That's nice. how much this thing fucking made. When it was released on home video in VHS and DVD formats in September 1999. Dude, I had this VHS tape, by the way. I can yeah. see it in yeah. my mind's eye. Um the title was a tremendous success for Universal on home video, selling 7 million units on VHS and 1 million on DVD, making it the year's best-selling live-action VHS and second-best-selling DVD behind The Matrix. Wow. So it really hit that fucking that home video market, yeah, man. Yeah, that's cool. It's like, the type of movie you'd want to own. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, it, be- yeah, it became like a collector's Highly rewatchable, item. like you just throw it on the background. Oh, definitely. You need a fun time. And yeah. if you got kids at home, yeah, this is you pop this thing on four times in a row, right? You know? Yeah, <laughs> especially like, yeah, like it because it, it hits like it, you know it, it hits like the teenagers and stuff too. So it's yeah. like you know, and the and the young and the preteens and stuff. So it's like because Disney was all of our nannies. Oh but yeah, like, but you know once you hit a certain point, a lot of kids like kind of like think they're too cool for like you know the cartoon movies and stuff. So it's like well now. The Mummy and the Matrix are going to raise me. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, this thing went on to make uh, Universal over $1 billion in home video sales. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Home video sales used to be such a big Dude, part of the revenue. I, I, I've seen like some of these contracts from the 90s where people would get their movie bought by a blockbuster or mm. even a smaller one like a Hollywood video or something. Absolutely, man. Like You could have your... 
independent film that maybe made let's say 10 million whole dollars in a box office you could sell it to blockbuster for fucking three million dollars you know and like millions man holy like it was yeah you were that at home shit in the 90s was i wonder i wonder how much the average movie makes on video now yeah. Because they're all still released, obviously. Like, right. a lot of people probably buy digitally and stuff, but, like, I still buy Blu-rays, and I just, For like... Sure. Like, how much is House of Gucci making on, on Blu-rays? On Blu-ray? Yeah. Interesting. I guess we can look it, it up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, even know what to type in, though. Like, House how... of Gucci Blu-ray sale? <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna be like, go home. You're drunk. <laughs> okay, I found, I found a website called The Numbers. The Numbers. And it's got United States Blu-ray's uh, sales chart for the week ending December 5th, 2021. Okay. So this is uh, this is December, and I mean, it's right before the holidays. So maybe these are a little inflated. People are looking for like uh, stocking stuffers and stuff. But I'll go through the top, go through like the top five at least. Gotcha. So Sang Sheen, The Legend of the Ten Rings, sold uh, two hundred thousand units, roughly. Oh shit. Um, totaling total spending three million dollars. Okay. S- okay. Jungle Cruise. Yeah. Uh, at number two, it's a steep drop off. It's a uh, fifty three thousand dollars so 53,000 units but oh. the total spending is like still 2.8 million interesting um and that's like uh, across like this and that that week spending was 800,000 i see um uh dr seuss the grinch uh 36 that k um uh half a million dollars oh it, wow the the total spending for dr seuss's the grinch oh i guess cuz that's like a classic holiday right. like blu-ray that makes sense 26 Million dollars. Yeah, and that makes sense. Am I reading this right? Yeah, twenty six million dollars. They were still heavy Blu-ray. That was two thousand and one, right? When that movie came out. Or no? Oh, you're talking about the new Grinch. This, uh, I don't know. Uh, Doctor Seuss's The Grinch. I'm assuming this is the classic one. Like, yeah, it just, right. It's one of those things the that Jim just gets Carrey like one. bumped during the holidays. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll double check that. But then F9, another movie that definitely came out last year, mm-hmm. thirty five thousand units. Yeah, again, you're netting almost nearly a million dollars in total. Fast Nine, fifteen million dollars. So this is actually Damn. still a it's huge still revenue a maker. Wow. I love to see that. I Me absolutely too. love to see that. Me too, man. People still have a hard copy of fucking. Yeah. Free Guy made $9 million wow. in Blu-ray sales. Because I don't own one DVD or Blu-ray past, <laughs> like, 2012, you know? I don't have anything that's, like, newer than that, for sure. Wow. Yeah. I got to start buying some. Yeah. And also, they look better. Yeah, it feels yeah. good to own. It yeah. looks way better mm-hmm. than streaming, you yeah. know? It's not relying on the damn internet. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, oh, my God. It's it, it Because, like... Even when you're streaming in HD, like sometimes it'll fluctuate between oh, like, yeah. 1080p and 720. Yeah. And so it never drops to SD, but it's always just like, it's like not quite as sharp. You put a Blu ray in, you're like, you'll be surprised how sharp that picture Absolutely. is. Absolutely. And I don't even have 4K Blu rays. Yeah. Like, it's 1080p Blu rays. No, that Dr. Seuss. Uh, Movie that uh, that's made um, uh, twenty six million dollars in DVDs and Blu-ray sales. Oh, okay, no, it's made twenty six million dollars in DVDs and twenty six million dollars in Blu-ray. So the total Damn. domestic, this is just domestic. The total right. domestic video sales is fifty three million dollars. Wow, that was the one that came out in twenty eighteen. Uh, whatever Dr. Seuss's The Grinch came out in 2018. Gotcha. He's already <laughs> making a shit ton of money off Good of Good lord. Like, um, Gotta here. I love it. Gotta, I, I love to see it. Even, even like a movie that I didn't think anyone gave a fuck about. Like, 
the hitman's wife's bodyguard <laughs> still made six million dollars total in um, Blu-ray Whoa. sales, oh my God, DVD man. sales. Like if you could just make six million dollars on a movie, period. <laughs> yeah, you've done really good. These are just yeah. like, damn. Yeah, love well, to see it. Love to see it, man. Maybe they'll develop something better than Blu-ray. Then some <laughs> still disc, but it's even. It's the well, new it's, fucking four K Blu-ray. Is, yeah. is that? Yeah, yeah but for sure. um, I. Yeah. Uh, I, I debated whether or not I was going to start buying 4K Blu-rays, but I think I'm just going to keep... Because the uniformity of all of my things being blue mm-hmm. is just looks so nice on my shelf. <laughs> and so I think I'm going to keep that for at least the... the, the, the uh, the near future. I think I also don't have a 4K TV yet, so I think that's called OCD. <laughs> yes, <laughs> or ADHD. Both, no, both, both of them. Of course, uh, in 2004, Universal Studios theme parks, uh, Hollywood and Orlando, opened their Revenge of the Mummy ride. This ride based is so on dope. This movie. It's there's the one, best ride. There's one here. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. Fuck yeah. Oh, it's I didn't know there was one here. Oh yeah. It's Let's incredible. Go. Let's yeah. definitely Let's do go right it, now. Dude. It is the fucking like bumpiest ride at Universal. Yeah. I love it. it. At the time when it came out, it was the fastest indoor roller coaster ever made. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And they they don't do it anymore, but they used to have a thing where the scarabs would they'd have like a projection on the yeah. wall of them coming down, and then they would like tickle your feet with yeah, some like strings yeah, like, or some yeah, shit, like, the, like air, like compressed or something, air, yeah. and yeah, and it would yeah, you'd feel so like bugs creepy. were crawling yeah. on you. Oh my god. Yeah. Dude. Oh, and then when the all when the ceiling lights on fire. Yes. So cool. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Fuck yeah, I love great that ride. ride. It has been one of the like top attractions at Universal since it opened. Cool. It still yeah. has a line. Yeah. It's it's a two hour wait. Yeah. yeah for the Mummy ride wow. to this day. Holy no shit. doubt about it. Yeah. But yeah, man, that's it. Damn, that was the mummy. That's great. I love it. That was just, what a fun episode. Yes, with just enough, you know, with just enough uh, human suffering mixed in to make it really interesting. Absolutely, <laughs> it was. It was. Uh, I would say it was around the water world. Yeah, vibes. Absolutely, you know, for absolutely. sure. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, man, it was definitely a movie that changed my life. It just changed it again. I'm telling yeah. you, watch this damn movie again, man. Yeah, I, I will. I'm no one be... remembers how good this thing is. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> have this on the background while I'm editing. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Do it. It's a fun ride. Um, go see it. And that that concludes our the mummy. I that guess that concludes the mummy. Everybody, uh, that was fun. Hopefully, Dev is out there somewhere. If if Dev can't get us the uh, our questions answered before I have to get these out. Yeah. Uh, we'll do a special segment at the beginning of whatever the next episode is, or maybe we'll just do a special 15-minute bonus episode where Dev like gives us the facts or something like that. Yeah. But um, that sounds good. But until then, you can find me on Instagram at Drake Cummings, on Twitter at Drake underscore Cummings, on TikTok at Hollywood Drake. Uh, my 1920s slash 2020s inspired merchandise at RagingTwentiesMerch.com. Uh, some other general stuff on YouTube. And um, if you find Dev, let us know. Yeah, let us know, Dev. We'll pay the anchor money for him back. <laughs> I'm putting it out there. I'm, I'm offering up our anchor ad Although, money. Although, I, 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 I will confess to you, I do have an insurance policy on, oh, Dev, gotcha. on Dev's, on Dev's a kid, kidnapping. A kidnapping insurance yeah. policy. Well, you so. know, you got to get it. When they can become a big enough star, you got to get it. If you're shooting on location, <laughs> yeah. we got to be able to replace them with Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> But uh, you can find us at Film History, the history of film, FHHF podcast on Twitter. You can find me at Jimmy Deloy or James Wyatt Scott, depending on where you're looking. Uh, you can find Dev at Sailor Dev. 
find his Abracadabra film stuff. And you can also find me not coming back out of my trailer because if I get any more fucking sunburnt, I'm going to turn inside out. And I'm not <laughs> going to shave one more day. I'm going to grow a beard right now. Grow some hair. And that's been Film History. The, the History of Film. You know what I'm talking about?